Hi, I'm Kevin McGuire, currently the penciler of DC Comics Supergirl, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Back again. Serendipity. Do that. See, I teed that one up for Jason and you bit, which is good. I'm scared to to talk because you told me I'm breaking up. Oh, that's not good. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. The scared. Nothing's worse. We've all been there where you're making a point and you're feeling the vibe, and then people are like, I couldn't hear half of what you said. Yeah. It sucks. It is the massive suck. Yeah. Fucking internet. The internet. I pay for like 8,000 gigs of data. (laughs) I got got an 8 terabyte line coming into the house. That's the most bill bullshit ripoff. Don't even get me started about these fucking cable companies. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, big Like, I don't know if you got, like, when I do the speed test, it's never. Even in its optimal moment, it's never close to what I'm paying for no. what they say I could get. Bigly. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 756, our two-fisted book of the month episode. And I am Vince B. Oh, we. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and let me climb out of my shark cage because I'm Steve Zisu. <laughs> no, you're not Steve Zisu. You're Jason Wood, thankfully. I get nervous when I see them bastards going into that shark cage. I really do. Uh, you would never, ever get me in those things in a million years. That's a bucket list thing for me. I don't know. I don't care how secure they are, how well protected. Nope, I'm not going down there. That's insane. Put yourself. I can't imagine that you could ever pay me enough to jump out of a plane. No. But I would absolutely lo- like if someone is listening to this and says, "Would meet me down the shore next week?" You know, I'm a professional. I got a cage. I'd I'd do it. Mm. Well, more power to you. I'll be waving to you from the the shoreline. <laughs> not doing it. Uh, but you are not Steve the Shark, dude. You're Jason Wood, and this, as I said is our two two-fisted book of the month episode featuring not one but dose books because there was a tie we'll get into that shortly but there's no struggle there's nobody button heads there is no competition because there's only one place you should go to get your books get them fast get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying now the new previews is out but that doesn't mean you can't get your order in on these books I'm going to uh, embellish a tad because you could still order these things from Aftershock, Chicken Devil, number one by Hayden Sherman, cover and artist, written by Brian Buccellato. This is uh, what looks to be a really kicking series. I love Hayden Sherman's art. Uh, $4.99 cover price. I don't know if that will continue beyond the first issue. It remains to be seen, but I'm sure it's going to be well worth it because you got a crack writer, an amazing artist, $4.99 cover price. Your price? What are they going to pay? Uh, $2.49? Exactly, Mr. Wall Street. He's in on the pulse. Uh, From Oni Press, Dirtbag Rapture, number one, written by Christopher Sabela. I always fuck up Christopher when there's a B after it. I don't know why. It's a weird thing. Christopher Sabela, 
with art by Kendall Good. This is traditionally priced at three ninety nine. Your price app, tell them. You are not dividing by two. Are you really? <laughs> it's a dollar ninety nine. Last but certainly not least, <laughs> from Red Five Comics, it's Merlin and Hector number one. Uh, apparently, the award-winning Merlin and Hector, uh, thankfully, imported into our country by Red Five Comics. It is uh, written by Rodolfo Santulo or Santuyo, and art by Jock, J-O-K. Cover price on this bad boy is three ninety-five. Here's a little curveball for you. You're not going to get 50% off. You're going to get close to 50. You're going to get 45% off. And this magnificent comic will cost you $2.17. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books delivered right to your very door. It's so easy. A child could do it. A dog could do it. A mouse can do it. DCBService.com. You know this. Yeah. Uh, because this is our special book of the month episode featuring not one but two books, we decided to get all finer things club on your asses and bring some vino or other bits of alcohol to the table. I never had this before. Um, it was given to me by my daughter for my birthday. It is called Ravenswood. I don't know if that's a good name brand. I like it. It's tasty. But it's a, it's a Zinfandel. Something I'm not... Um, white or red? Oh, no, white? No. I don't drink white. It's a, no, nor do I. That's why I'm surprised. No, it's red. It's a red Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. Vinter's Blend, California 2017. And uh, the the word mouthwatering is on the back of the label. Spicy, robust, and, uh, and a lot of craft and character. The word Trump is also on the back, but not in the oh. way. No, not in the way you would expect. Okay. Um, craft and character always trump the latest trend. So should be Trump's, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's very good. As I said, I'm not accustomed to the Zinfandel, but this is very tasty. It's got a little kick in the in the back end too. Tastes like maybe some kind of berry other than a grape, maybe a uh, raspberry ish flavor. Yeah, I like it. Next, I am drinking a hefty pour of a uh, Spanish wine, Paso Robles. 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon. Hmm. I uh, it's my anniversary today, as you guys know. So happy, happy. Wifey and I had a we opened this up and we each had a glass before she went off to do her business tonight, and uh, I came here to do my business. So I I uh, yeah, it's delicious. Awesome, dry as fuck. Where's the other guy? I don't know. I haven't heard him. Yeah, that's like, what's going on? I'll check. We didn't lose him. He's muted. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah it was. That was look weird. Look at that. I don't, I don't remember hitting the button. Say, I didn't hear you. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, uh, I am drinking it for, for a couple of different reasons. Yes, because it is Jason's anniversary. I'm also uh, raising my glass to our good friend, 
Vander. Uh, yes. His um, his is in honor of his pops. Uh, I am drinking Luna, which was, of course, uh, I've had before. It's the ninety-one points on uh, JamesSuckman.com, and it is a uh, it is a fantastic Malbec. I haven't had it in a minute, so tonight felt like a uh, good time to pop it open. Yeah, well said. Uh, much love, Andrew. Yeah. Same, same. Big hugs. You, you sexy bastard, you. Um, so we have a uh, a unique occurrence this episode. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, our Book of the Month episode focuses on one thing. Why, pray tell, are we focusing on two for this episode? Well, we had a tie. Thank Kirby. We had a tie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Dap, if you have the list of uh, runners... I- well, I knew you would. Uh, Dap is going to read to you the lists, the list of runners up, and then we'll tell you what won. Yeah. Uh, with seven percent of the votes, nineteen seventy-five, uh, the Joe Casey written joint. Twelve uh, percent of the vote was Ballad of Halo Jones. Three uh, percent went to the final night, the DC Comics event from uh, the nineties. Uh, Hawk World got six percent. Kid Eternity. With 3%, Park Bench, uh, sadly, nobody picked it. Uh, Punisher, welcome back, Frank, with 9% of the votes. 6% went to Pussy. <laughs> and World Without End. Crotch Gun. Went to, uh, got, got, got 3% of the votes. But the winners, with matching 26%. Of the votes. Uh, with, um... 69 nice votes total uh and i know we have more more patrons than that but uh this is what we ended up with uh vince what won this month well uh the two books that took the prize was or were hellboy in mexico by mike mignola richard corbin mick mcmahon fabio moon gabriel ba and Mike himself with all of it colored by the uh, magnificent Dave Stewart. And Indeed. the other part of the one-two punch is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, illustrated by Tyler Boss. So we're going to get into um, both of these books shortly. Uh, Jason has to ask his question, though. Indeed. So... Uh, and and I think one of them has there could be multiple answers, uh, and we'll get into yes. that. But let's start with Four Kids, which was released, if memory serves, in 2017. It was a five issue miniseries. So I will ask you all um, if and when you first read it. I will tell you that I read it in trade. Uh, I read the trade immediately as it came out. I didn't buy the issues, but it got some buzz, so I. Pre-ordered the trade through our good friends at Discount Comic Book Service and uh, read it that month. So, uh, 2017 is when I first read it. How about y'all? Uh, I read it for the first time last weekend. Uh, our good friend Flippadippa sent me the trade a while ago. Uh, it's been sitting on the stack with a bunch of other things and. Um, then yeah, so I mean, it, it was something that was going to be read, only because I know so many people have read it and enjoyed it. Um, so 
I'm glad it was on the list. I'm glad it won, actually. I'm glad I finally got to read it. Nice. Nice. How about you? Um, what I read, uh, I read yesterday. <laughs> well, I will also interject because I don't want to end on a low note, Vince. Okay. Uh, I want to shout out our friend and patron, Max at Cheap Graphic Novels, because in one of the... My dog is barking at something. In one of the uh, bulk orders I placed with him, uh, I bought 10 copies of this and put them in different care packages over the last year. That's so awesome. Some of our listeners are probably like, oh, Wood, you sent me your copy. No, I didn't send you my copy. I got mine right here, but I sent you a copy. Nice. Awesome. He sounds terrified. He's scared of everything. Little man. I let the dummy out to pee last night and he was barking at my shadow. I'm like, dude, it's me. Oh, right that's man, funny. Uh, <laughs> you make the devil horns. <laughs> <laughs> See him just shit. No, right I think there. my, my uh, Jackson's having friends over. I think I'm assuming they were just arriving. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, the flip side of the book of the month was Hellboy in Mexico, which I read as uh, each chapter was published. Um, I read the OGN Hellboy in what's it? Let's just call it a one shot. Uh, Hellboy in Mexico um, day it came out, plus all the other stuff in Dark Horse Presents and uh, House of the Living Dead is a favorite uh, in my reading room. I have uh, the hardcover and it's always at arm length. Just one arm or arms? One arm. I mean, it's not heavy. I can pick it up with one arm. So yeah. Nice. Uh, I read. I read um, two of the stories previously, in their original forms, and do have this collection as well. So, but I got the collection in a sale. So I didn't read it. Like I think this what this collection came out. I think in two thousand sixteen. Sounds I'm right. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I. You know what, dude? I'm 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 almost positive I bought this collection at Mocha. Wow. Uh, yeah, because I went to. I've only been to Mocha once, and Mignola was the, the the main guest that year, and uh, there was a huge table, obviously, of his swag, and I bought a couple different two tree things, and I'm pretty sure I bought it then and read it. So that would probably like seven, maybe seventeen, eighteen, something like that. Wait a minute, you weren't at Mocha when Dap and I and Alan no. and. No. Nina, were really no, huh? It was I, not. Well, it's amazing how the memory rewrites the past because I could swear you were there. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I was just wishing. That's exactly right. Because I do love you, contrary to what no you doubt. may believe. How about you, um, DAP? Uh, this was um, shortly around when um, the Hellboy saga was was not wrapping up. Or reaching a conclusion, but it was it was around when um, Hellboy in, in Hell was coming out. Dark Horse put out a uh, huge, massive everything Hellboy minus, I guess, some of the Dark Horse presents stories um, in a massive bundle sale yes. around Christmas, and I I, I scooped it up. Um, and I've been reading some things here and there over time, but uh, actually, none of the stories in the uh, Hellboy Mexico trade have made it. Um, to my reading list yet. So I read these stories for the first time last weekend as well. Awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're a total noob in these in this endeavor. Yeah. Yes. 
And this, you know, this book of the month is a bit, in my perspective, it's a bit unfair. Anytime Richard Corbin is injected into the mix, uh, the other stuff is going to suffer, in my opinion. Uh, mm. Not greatly, but um, by comparison, I think everything suffers uh when richard corbin's name is is on the masthead so i'll be honest i think um house of the living dead is one of the best ogns ever committed to paper mm. it's it's not there's no heavy lifting uh it's it's very straightforward but visually i think mignola just served up a bunch of neat ideas and concepts to to uh, richard corbin and corbin just ran with it as he is want as he was want to do so i mean visually uh really house of the living dead is is pretty high up there in my all-time favorite ogns yeah but anyway let's talk about hellboy in mexico i'll set it up again written by mike mignola of course with art by Richard Corbin, Mick McMahon, Last American, yo, great stuff. Uh, Fabio Moon, Gabriel Ba, Mike himself. And it's all under the uh, the jurisdiction of Mr. Dave Stewart on color art. So it is an amazing visual treat all around. Um, we'll get to each chapter. Uh, I don't know how in-depth you guys want to go. But uh, the uh, package is essentially bookended. The first story is Mignola and Corbin. The last story is Mignola and Corbin. And thematically, I like the way they did that because they weren't published in that order. But it brings everything into a conceptual bear hug, right? Mm -hmm. You have yeah. the, the first iteration of Hellboy going to Mexico and then you have the last, right? So here's the rub. Hellboy's called down to Mexico um, for uh, monster hunting, right? And he's accompanied by a couple of BPRD agents. Well, no, that's the present day. The past is... Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about yeah. 1956. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he goes down there with a couple of BPRD agents, Hendrickson and, and Murphy. And, and they're doing the whole monster hunting uh, shtick. But, but while he's down there... He uh, befriends a trio of luchadors, and they're they're brothers. And the 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 luchadors were visited. They had a vision. Uh, Mary, the virgin, tells them, "Stop wrestling, and please use your powers to fight monsters." So that's what they do. They they become monster hunters by day, joined by Hellboy, of course, and hard drinkers by night. And um, the uh, the brothers are of various ages. The the two older brothers, uh, Hellboy doesn't really glom to onto them, but he develops a little bit of uh, more than a little bit of a, a bond with the youngest brother, Esteban. And um, one night, after a particularly drunken uh, revelry, after a, a hard day of monster hunting, Esteban goes missing. And the uh, the prognosis is not good because the monsters are everywhere, right? Particularly uh, the vampires. And um, and it's, it's an event. Uh, they assume the worst, and and it instigates the brothers 
to uh, go uh, pedal to the metal, hellbent on raising the the legions of the undead, uh, looking for answers. Where's our brother? Hellboy has sent a message from what looks like an evil luchador, and his name is Kamazatz. And he sends Hellboy a bloody, literally bloody request to meet. There's a a, a wrestling poster at, uh, of with Kamazatz featured, and it says in blood, you know, I want to meet you. Uh, the location of the meeting is in the bowels of a ziggurat, appropriately, right? But in this ziggurat, there's a wrestling ring because they're luchadors, right? There has to be a wrestling ring. So in the middle of this thing, there's a wrestling ring surrounded by Kamazot's undead acolytes, disgusting-looking dudes, all undead. You have a high priest that uh, is, is shaking his tambourine and... Um, Hellboy fights Kamazats. And uh, Esteban proudly sported a tattoo of the bleeding heart of Christ on his chest. Kamazats, on the other hand, has a similar tattoo on his chest, but it's not the bleeding heart of Christ. It's a black heart coiled by a snake. And they fight and... Uh, uh, Hellboy gets the shit kicked out of him for a good period of the fight, but uh, um, Gambazotz takes off his mask, which is a no-no for a luchador, but he does. He takes his mask off, and he's got a beautiful, uh, depending on your um, affinity for the work of Richard Corbin, he's got a beautiful, disgusting vampire bat head. It's amazing. Um, and Hellboy does Esteban a favor. And uh, manipulates him into the corner of the ring, uh, the uh, the pole of which is made out of wood, and impales Esteban on the uh, the wood. And everybody knows that to kill a vampire, you use wood, a stake through the heart, and that's what Hellboy does. So he kills young Esteban. He puts him out of his misery. He relieves him of the taint of vampirism. And Esteban says. Bueno, and he dies. And Hellboy's all broken up about this. I mean, he loved Esteban. He was his boo, and they they had many a uh, a wonderful night just killing monsters and drinking the alcohol. And uh, the 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 story is is uh, prefaced and uh, ended by a uh, ape sapien, as Jason said, and Hellboy. They're touring around Mexico in 1982. So it's many, many years later. The, the, the actual uh, meat of the story happens, occurs in 1956. So in 1982, Hellboy is down in Mexico with his buddy Abe, and, and Hellboy's dragging around an old trunk. <laughs> and, and it's roped and padlocked, and obviously there's something alive in the trunk. And uh, Abe finds a, a photo of Hellboy in some ruins, and Hellboy's not alone. He's he's with the uh, the brothers, the the luchadors, and Hellboy Hellboy asks him, "Yo, what's up with this stuff? What's the dilly?" And and Hellboy tells the tale. So it's a neat little framing sequence uh, to what amounts to a really uh, excellent one shot. Uh, again, not a whole lot of heavy lifting. Uh, Hellboy or uh, Mignola uh, exploits 
the 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 whole luchador concept amazingly. If you've ever seen um, uh, Santo and the uh, Blue Demon movie, like this stuff is right out of the classic movies. And uh, not only that's not only the reason why I love it. It's uh, he exploits the talents of Richard Corbin, who is just a god. He is a he is a deity, an amazing talent. Every panel of this thing is a joy to behold. Uh, when when Kamazats takes off his his mask, it's you just my god! This the 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 magic in the hand of Richard Corbin is apparent in just every panel. And I'm talking too long. I want to hear what you guys thought of this. You never talk too long when it comes to Corbin. Mm-mm. Man, I have bent a knee at the altar of Richard Corbin ever since uh, I was in the single digits. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the um, the first story is, it's, it's a great setup because, I mean, it, it really does set the tone. Yeah, we're in the present day, or at least we're in 1988. It's at the start, and then... Um, were clued in that uh, it, it sets the stage that throughout the rest of the, the graphic novel um, you're told that there is a whether it's in the story itself or whether it's Mike with the intros for each chapter uh, letting you know that there was a span of time where Hellboy was just blackout drunk and very little is recorded of that time because he wasn't he, he was kind of AWOL from the BPRD, more or less, and uh, and we get some of those stories as they're relate as they're told to other people um, throughout the rest of the book. But I, I I dug the first story, and I I was I, I enjoyed it a lot. But thinking about it at, at as as I'm reading through the rest of the book, and then I get to the end, it as as great as it looks. It wasn't for me. It wasn't the strongest. It wasn't my favorite story in the book. They were all fun, but um, as I was thinking about what you were saying at that at the start regarding uh, House of Living, that was yeah. I, I enjoyed that story a lot more. But this this really did set the stage and get you ready for for the rest of the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it it tees up the ball that is. Uh, line drive, line driven, with house of the the last story. You, yeah. the, the enjoyment of that is just compounded by what we learned in this story. Um, who would have ever thought that a turkey could could be as menacing as the turkey illustrated by Corbin? I don't even um, in the intro, Mignola himself didn't expect. He thought, eh, I'll put a turkey in it, and Corbin will do what he wants to do. He'll draw a turkey or, or something, and it, it'll be Corbin's magic at work. But the the turkey is is really disturbing. Um, Give something red eyes, and it uh, becomes ominous. It's a little bit of a man thing, turkey, by the way. But uh, mm-hmm. I didn't. If if Mignola himself didn't tell us that the turkey was a vampire, I would have never drawn that line from turkey to vampire it just looks like an mm-hmm. undead menacing turkey it i don't read vampire being and even esteban says el diablo he doesn't say vampire he says the devil at work here right yeah i um so i'm gonna differ from that because for me 
this first story is my favorite of the stories. Nice. Um, And I think mainly because of the the, the Lucha angle, you know, just like, I mean, I just, I've always dug that. Shout out to our boy Gonzo. Uh, You know, so I just was like vibing with that whole scene. Um, And like you said, Vince, I thought that the Corbin, you know, the bat face was, the the bat head was incredible. Corbin's incredible. So now I will say, um, I mean, the one thing that the one thing about Mignola. Well, no, there's lots of it, but but I will give Mignola immense credit because he's he's obviously created over the last what twenty five years this massive publishing empire of of Hellboy and BPRD adjacent books, and I don't know what percent he's drawn of them. Uh, if you had to guess, maybe thirty percent, twenty five, thirty, right? Like at this I think point? that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. But like for the sake of conversation, he's certainly drawn much less than half of all the stuff. And damn if he just doesn't have an incredible eye. Oh for, yeah. yeah. I mean, because if you if you were just to run down the list of of people that have drawn Hellboy or BPRD books, it's an it's it's a jaw dropping list. Uh, they're they're all immensely talented, and then they vary in their uh, fame or place in comics history. But they're all just immensely talented draftsmen. And I I I just thought that that was indicative of this collection uh in itself you know because i do think people that maybe aren't that familiar with the hellboy world think of i think mistakenly assume that there's like a house style and that Manuela tries to find people that mimic him and that's just not true you know uh, i think he is an incredible aesthetic for picking great artists but i don't think they all look alike i think they all very much have distinctive styles and um yeah i just uh, but i thought this first story was definitely my favorite um but I enjoyed all of the books, so it's not like it's it's yeah. like oh I like this and it drops off. But uh, I will say with the turkey, to your point, because there is the interstitial commentary by Mignola. I remember reading this the first time, not having any clue that the turkey was a vampire. Right. Uh, it just seemed like some kind of I just assumed it was some kind of like random evil demon turkey or whatever. Like I was like oh whatever this crazy turkey um, didn't mean much to me. So it was helpful to. Have him explain that that uh, that this vampire Mexican vampire god, uh, according to Mignola, at least in in historical lore, has the ability to transform into a turkey. Yeah, uh, very you, random. Like you never see fuck that. Would they, yeah, why would they like random that you would have them transmogrify into a turkey? But but whatevs, man. Like you yeah. do you. So I'm going to become a beast that can't fly, or or can fly only in limited bursts. Yeah, like like might just be a, going to do to you. Like really, I don't just really be a know bat. What can do just be a bat. Or a wolf, right? Yeah. But I would be remiss if I didn't give my man Richard props for the clarity of his storytelling. Um, Corbin can get... Uh, he vacillates from, from extremely detailed to, to very uh, sparse, let's say. And you see a lot of that here. There are some panels that are extremely, uh, very, very detail-heavy. Uh, and there are others that are very breezy and airy, like like the Turkey Passage, um, and his storytelling is 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 textbook stuff. Uh, I think his pacing is immaculate. His 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 fight choreography is superb. There's no question what's going on uh, in 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 any of these passages, and he just he the guy is a master storyteller. Uh, it, it, it's so fluid and breezy and um i i i could go on and on about 
about Corbin, but I won't because we have other stuff to talk about. But it's just, I, I mean, I know I should phrase this differently, but the, the man touched me at a very, very, like Hubert, at a very, very early age, and I have been incredibly in love with his work ever since. So maybe my addition to this commentary should be taken with a bit of salt because I can't love, I can't not love anything drawn by Richard Corbin. And uh, it's, it's, it's rough. But if you look at, uh, I just want to add this, if you look at the face of one of the vampires, uh, it's, it's, it's right after uh, we get to the part with... Um, the uh guitar player with the with the uh blood covered guitar and then the you get to see the little uh effigy of the virgin mary if you look at the next page with the vampire dead at the on the steps mm -hmm. that's the vampire that's in the last story Mignola has this way of of pulling together all these disparate uh storylines like these, like we said, these stories were not published in order. Uh, yet here, right. he had the forethought that, okay, this is where this goes. This story happens after this. And they weren't published sequentially. But when he, when you do lay them out sequentially, it, it, it reads it, amazingly well. And I, I don't know if that was planned or what kind of shenanigans were going on uh, behind the you know publisher's doors. But it, it doesn't really matter, right? Because when you get them all in in the timeline like this they they work exceedingly well i think right um you're right no they absolutely do yeah I, it, this this um with this first story um richard corbin became one of my favorite hellboy artists i i didn't it's it's weird to say um because Richard Corbin could draw the shit out of anything, but um, I never really, I guess, imagined what Corbin's version of, of Hellboy would look like, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Have you read uh, the Corbin Azzarello Cage miniseries? Yeah, uh, not in its entirety. Oh, my God, it's so good. Yeah, it is amazing. But, again, that could be said for anything. Richard touched. Uh, so this is the story that sets everything up because his buddy Esteban uh, died twice. Hellboy drowns his sorrows, his guilt and regret, and uh, basically his feelings in alcohol. And and Hellboy goes. <laughs> uh, Hellboy goes on a, a drunken binge for a, a, a bunch of months. But within that, that frame of time, uh, he becomes a luchador. He, you know, doesn't e express that. And to, that's to some age. of the most ridiculous art in the book, I think. Like, in a good way, ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, yeah. like, Hellboy is, is a giant devil, humanoid devil, and then he's wearing a luchador mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's absurd. Double redundancy, right? Yeah. Um, which leads into Hellboy versus the Aztec Mummy, which is a pastiche of sorts on uh, 
maybe not a, a, a beat by beat pastiche, but it, it's still beholden to Rafael Portillo's uh, movie Robot versus the Aztec Mummy, which I love. Um, I mean, you, you could tell the inspiration for all these stories is is looms pretty large during these things. Uh, the the uh, Hellboy versus the Aztec Mummy, not a very involved um, storyline, uh, but in, in in the gist of it is, um, while he was in Mexico, you know, drowning his sorrows. Hellboy encounters a high priest of not only Quetzalcoatl, but Tezcatlipoca. I probably pronounced that badly, but anyway. Both of these deities are living in the, the head of this high priest. And Hellboy encounters said high priest, and during their scuffle, he manages to crack open the head of uh, this person and out slithers uh, the the deity and they fight and it's explained at the end um, the the fight doesn't have a a very uh, black or white outcome because both of the deities their deities are still somewhat exist in this world. So it was just basically Hellboy getting slapped around uh, for the duration of this little short, which appeared in Dark Horse Presents, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a cool story. It's illustrated by Mignola and, and, and color right by Dave Stewart. It, it's great, you know? And, and when it opens, there's a, a, a luchador uh, by the name of the Blue Fury, which we all know is not the Blue Fury. It's the Blue Demon, from the 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 Mexican luchador movies and and the 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 actual wrestling ring, uh, Blue Demon was an actual wrestler. So uh, and he's confirming the uh, veracity of the events uh, that we are about to experience. So Mignola's just taken. He's wearing the influence for these stories on his sleeve. There's no bones about it. Like uh, the luchadors were great, and I'm gonna use all that greatness in my stories and that's what this is you know the, I mean, again this this story is there's no big shakes going on here it's just great art by Mignola and Stewart Hellboy doing what Hellboy does and you get a little creepy twist of sorts at the end that's it right right well, I would say that um, like you you just encapsulated one of the things I was going to say holistically about this which is that um i think i own all or most of hellboy and bprd but i've also said many times that i'm just insanely behind on all of it right um and and it's a weird thing because it's every time i've ever read anything from it it's been enjoyable so it's not like it's just oh I'll, I'll, you know it's not like i feel like a slog or a but because i came to it so past its start it's just you know i mean there's a lot there and but but I, I i mentioned that mainly because i feel like the things i end up do reading with relative quickness are things like this the short stories the standalone ogns 
because I don't feel as beholden to continuity. And I know that's probably an unfair thing because I do feel like Mignola does a great job of uh, like like continuity isn't all that important in all of it. Right. But like when I see oh BPRD nineteen fifty seven or you know or Hellboy in Hell, I'm thinking well I, I should I should make sure I've read everything else leading up to that. And and with with a lot of these one offs that that appear in DHP or in these uh, prestige one shots that come out or even some of their graphic novels, if it's clearly a standalone thing, like I get my fix that way. I almost always read those immediately because I, I just feel easier. Like oh I don't I don't I don't need to worry about the continuity. And fair or not, and, um, and and like I think rereading this this week, it, it reminded me like like you said, these are all just very simple stories. I mean, there's not like there's not a lot there in terms of complexity at all. Um, right. I you, you could just read them like literally, you could never have read a Hellboy story before, and you could read something like this and 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 get enjoyment from it. Right. I think the problem per se, it's not really a problem, but I think the the mechanics of these shorter stories they focus more on form than they do function. So uh, Richardson had X amount of pages to fill in Dark Horse Presents. The golden boy, Mignola, said, yeah, I'll cook up something. I'll, I'll fill those pages. I'll sell copies, right? So it, it, the, there's the import as to uh, the events on the, the big picture Hellboy story, not too great. But you get great Mignola art. There's the form, right? Uh, who I mean, I'm not going to, you know, turn away from whatever eight pages illustrated by Mignola. Like that's a treat. So I'm going to gobble that up. But but the 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 weight the of this story is not large. It, it is it is a little uh, reminder of just how great Mignola is using his signature character Hellboy. Like what's there's no losing here. You know? It's just a fun, beautifully illustrated story. Yeah it is. It That's is. it, That's right? Exactly what it is. Yeah, well, what else do you call it? It it's it is a a superb waste of time. <laughs> right? If you I mean if you're gonna blow uh ten minutes of your life, you can do it in worse ways than 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 witnessing Mignola do what he does really really well for eight pages with Hellboy. Like I don't know what else to say. The bulk of those ten minutes are going to read the last two word balloons. Yeah. Pages, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. No. It was. It was. It was. I mean, it was nice that uh, you know Mike could come in there and fill a few pages in a whole trade of um, yeah, where his character's drawn by other people. But no, it was. It was. Um, I'm not gonna call it a breather or anything like that. Or it, it was it 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 adds to the overall package. Um, but I think it it is the it, it's weird for me to say it, but it, it it's almost like it's the odd one out for me hmm. compared to everything else in the book. I I admire Mignola's uh, fearlessness in the face of uh, negative space. Does, mm-hmm. He does not care if if no. he deems it necessary to just populate a panel with uh, a a a Mexican deity and Hellboy, you know, and and leave maybe fifty percent of the panel uh, 
to Dave Stewart to just do what Dave Stewart does, that's pretty fearless, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of negative space in, in, in some of these panels. And that takes uh, balls of steel because, you know, people criticize, like, well, where's the background? You don't really need the background for a lot of these things. And, and Mignola has the, the experience to, to realize that, you know, that that's true. There's some, some value in that. So I'm just, I'm just looking at the panel where, where Hellboy, after the fact, is, is um, sleeping off a couple of bottles yeah. of something. Exactly the panel and, yeah, at. and there's just the majority of the panel is just a semi-detailed sky. I mean, Stuart didn't do a whole lot of variation in the color there, but Mike just said, hey, I'm going to leave all this open. Do what you do. I'm confident in your ability. I'm confident in my ability. I don't think this panel needs much more. And he's right. I, that that panel, to me, um, in contrast to some of the very detailed panels, I think that those panels work really well. But the, the signature panel from this book is that, with Hellboy leaning up against an old rickety fence with a bunch of crucifixes uh, littering the uh, the panel and a little bit of fence in the foreground. That's it. I think that's that is the the pinnacle of panel from this story. I love it. I love it. One thing I wanted to mention is it's glaringly apparent that all of these stories, while it's not pushed to the forefront, they hinge on the prevalence of Catholicism in uh, Mexico. It, it, it's not crammed down our throat, but all of these stories have an undercurrent of of uh, Catholicism, religion. And um, that, to me, while I'm not a subscriber, that, to me, adds immeasurably to these stories. Because it's like, here is a society that believes in this stuff, lives and dies in this stuff. And not only uh, is there um, spiritual beliefs at risk here here's a a creature from hell that's injected into the mix and he's trying to maintain the status quo of their religious beliefs in in a sense and i, I think that's great i don't know your your mileage may may take a different uh reading than mine but i think that's that adds a lot to these stories to me it's a good that, point i, I I should know this after all these years, but I don't. Do you guys know is Mignola uh, spiritual, or is he is he open about that? I think he's well read. Well, no, that's that's yeah, but I don't know if yeah. he subscribes to it. But I, I I definitely think he's done his homework in terms of the world's religions, right? Because it's a, a big part of all the Hellboy stuff. But whether or not he he kneels, I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking it up now. Uh, he was raised Catholic. Um, Same. And does acknowledge that he's worked through questions and thoughts about his religion in his work. So, hmm. But I guess he's been reticent to say whether he's still religious or not. Right. Understandably. What better way to work through spiritual concerns than sequential art? Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah. Sure. It, it's It's got to be cathartic for the dude. To just uh, while not he's not getting any answers, I don't think he's not formulating, at least in terms of Hellboy, an opinion either way. He leaves it to the reader to uh, wonder 
you know, whether or not this stuff has any merit. If Hellboy's fighting for it, I think uh, because he was born of the other team, uh, it, it gives a little bit of weight to the whole Judeo-Christian, you know, light, mm-hmm. light and dark, uh, God, the devil, like whatever. But yeah, I, I think it's just, it, it's a really neat layer of the, the Hellboy mythology that you have somebody from the other team fighting to ensure the spiritual well-being of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you that I, I ah, this is going to sound blasphemous, but I'm a little salty that we don't get Mignola to ever do other things. And I don't mean that in like reading this was awesome and I I love his work. I mean I like I don't blame him for just spending his life doing his own corrections. Like that's awesome. Like good for him. But I do very much love the idea of seeing him I, I wish like in a perfect world I could have seen him do lots of other properties too. You know, and I and I know obviously he's done other properties and, and yeah. certainly before before Hellboy he did, but but like you know Cosmic Odyssey and and, and Rocket Ride, like I get all that, but but I mean it, like I'd like to see this this Mignola, you know, do a two year run of something else, and it doesn't have to be Marvel DC, like just do a different, just you know do a do a sci fi story, do a you know do an action book, just 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 be fun, just be a lot of fun to see him stretch his muscles outside of this very comfortable zone yeah i'm gonna be the voice of dissension on that no i would i don't want to see him nope nope no yeah i mean invariably it it would be i mean it's going to feel like it's part of the hellboy universe to begin with now because he's invested so much of his creative energy into hellboy he's given uh hellboy the hellboy universe a visual touchstone let's just say uh i i no i i think you would you would uh, inevitably compare it to hellboy and then why bother right just keep doing what you're doing and he has other things right um uh bprd the, the you know the Witchfinder character the the frankenstein yeah. beneath like so it's all the same setting right it's all the it's same all universe yeah so he keeps he keeps uh, perpetuating the mythology of that 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 Hellboy cosmology that he invented, but yeah. I, I I would never want to see him do like a year on um, Orion or something. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. That's a that's a deep cut in of itself, Orion. But okay, um, well, that's the character no. I would pair him with. Would okay. be Orion. Yeah. Um. Now, I will say that the third story, Hellboy gets married, was. Demonstrably, my least favorite of the bunch. I enjoyed it. Um, I think Mick McMahon is looking a lot like Jerry Grandinetti in this story. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad thing. I love Jerry no. Grandinetti, and I look, I love McMahon stuff. But yeah, I mean, the titillation factor is pretty high on this story. I think. I don't think it was a whiff, but it's. No, I, no, it's not a whiff. I, I I just thought it was really empty. Like I don't know. I mean like I know we also I know we just got done saying that, that none of the stories in this are necessarily that deep, but this one felt p- p- particularly thin to me. Oh. 
I read it as Hellboy's extremely vulnerable during this period, so much so that he agrees to marry somebody he doesn't really even know. Uh, he's he's enamored with her, and and rightly so. She's she's fetching, but um, she turns out to be you know playing for the other team, and uh, not the. Uh, it's almost weird to say not the woman she thought he thought she was. He how could he even think she was anything? He married her on the spur of the moment because he was drunk off his ass. I don't know. I, it, it's a neat little graphic exercise. Other than that, yeah, I mean, he regrets his decision. Um, he again, like Esteban, he puts her out of her misery, and that's the end of it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's an exercise. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautifully rendered. Um, uh, look into what can be done spur of the moment with a great character. Uh, you know, it, it keeps the luchador. Uh, subtext going uh i don't know i I, like i said uh, like you said it's not one of the more weighty stories in this thing but it's it's fun again it's again uh you could waste your time in worse ways right yeah yeah that's it and then with the next story if you guys want to move on uh i'm sure you do uh we have a reminder (laughs) <laughs> Just how freaking incredible the brothers Moon and Ba are. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Um, so good. It's, it's so stupid. Again, like you said, I'm not going to use that word again, but I just did. How many people? I thought when you said the the, the list of contributors to the visual uh, part of the Hellboy universe, I thought you had a list. I would expect Jason oh, to no, have a list. I don't. This this story is called The Coffin Man. And uh, in a nutshell, a little girl comes to Hellboy and says, uh, there's this bad, bad person that uh, breaks the coffin uh, or the, the crucifixes in the local cemetery and he, he does nasty, nasty things with the, with the recently departed and, and please help us. Um, and then we're introduced to the Coffin Man, uh, who gives Hellboy a, a real run for his money. Like he he kicks the crap out of him. Not only uh, the the Coffin Man, but his uh, his burrow. Uh, I forget the the donkey's name. Uh, Gergo, yeah, Ger- Gergo anthropomorphoses if that's the word into this giant donkey creature and just pummels the crap out of hellboy and he wakes up in a entwined in a cactus and um hellboy doesn't really solve anything in this uh <laughs> this story it, it's no, it's no, it not. isn't it like round one uh coffee yeah, man I mean, round one almost feels like the story is designed to let you know that uh it almost feels like that's why hellboy gets married is in this book because there's like two panels, two, three panels where, you know, he kind of sums up the previous story. Yeah. And then it just sets up the kind of, he gets his ass kicked. So it kind of sets up the rematch. Um, it's still great to look at. I'm glad it's in this book. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it does. Um, you know, he, he, he promises the little girl. Yeah, no, I'll, um, I'll save your uncle. Don't worry about it. And it really doesn't go according to plan. 
Right. Um, again, I, I pick out panels that I love the most out of out of these stories, and the panel for me in this one is when uh, the coffin man realizes uh, that Hellboy is is a threat, but Hellboy doesn't know that he's a threat. So that's the thing that uh, later on in, in round two, the coffin man says to Hellboy, "You have no idea what you're capable of. You you are," uh, and he phrases it, "You are." Uh, a mountain pretending to be a molehill. He said, the power inherent in the stuff you got going on is immeasurable, and yet you just like smashing things with, with, <laughs> with, that, with that fist of yours. But the, the panel for me that, that works extremely well in this is when um, it's the panel after the coffin man turns and notices Hellboy, and he flies out of the wagon, and Hellboy goes, mm-hmm. whoa. Like that's it. That's the panel. But again, it's one of those airy panels where there's more negative space than actual lines in the panel. But you see this blur just jumping from the back of the wagon, and Hellboy's like, "Whoa, that crap! That's that's awesome. This is a great panel." Yep. And I also love the way that that um, uh, Moon loves to create these brushy arcs that lead into a panel from the from the top or the side or the corner just these mm. these little flurries of of uh arcing lines and brush strokes that just pull your eye right to the the meat of the panel i love that technique mm-hmm. yeah do, do you guys have a preference between moon and ba mm-hmm Okay, <laughs> you keeping it to yourself, or? Well, it's like deciding between peanut butter and chocolate. Right, that's why I ask if you had a preference. Yeah, both are delicious, but yeah. which one do I love more? I kind of, I just based on, yeah, I I, I tend to, um, really perk up when when I see Moon is is on a book. I, I just I love his line work. I, I Boss fantastic. But there's just something about the way Moon puts ink on a page. It it I I don't know what it is. No, I'm 100 percent with you. I, I I think they're both fantastic, and either are must buys. But but I I do give the slight edge to Moon, uh, and I much like you. I I can't tell you offhand. Like I haven't sat down and really given any kind of critical analysis as to why. But but if I were editor-in-chief of all comics and you were to say you only can have moon or bob draw the next book i'd 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 call it moon well i think you need to examine the approach for each um speak on it prof ba is definitely more um graphic he's more in the mignola camp yeah than, than moon he creates shapes where Moon is is more willing to let the brush do the work, um, Ba creates these these very geometric. That's that's uh, evident when uh, Hellboy creaks into uh, the coffin man's abode. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm going to be the odd man out. I go with Ba over Moon. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. If 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 you had asked me to choose 
each person's picks, I would have said you with Ba and Tap with Moon. So yeah, the interior of uh, the Coffin Man's abode is amazing. It is. It is. Oh, gor- it is. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff, mm-hmm. and and just the uh, the the light play that goes on around the vulture's head as it's speaking, and then he turns into the Coffin Man. It's like crazy good. And and it's 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 very linear. Uh, again, uh, he has a very rigid—I don't want to say rigid—but everything is delineated in the ba in the moon. He he's very brushy and lyrical, and lets the you know the the thicks and the thin works. There's not a whole lot of th- thick and thin per se in ba's work. Uh, right. Yeah, I just I, I just lean a little bit more towards ba. Then, mm-hmm. then just glad I live in a world where we get them both. Ah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's purely no, purely yeah. personal taste. Right, right. And the whole shebang is capped off with the Pièce de Résistance, The House mm-hmm. of the Living Dead, uh, art by Richard Corbin, colors by Dave Stewart. Um, and, and Corbin, Why the hell was my Kamazats tonight? That was I don't know. <laughs> it was right that there. That was a miss. It was right there. Yep. Uh, and you know I love Mignola, but he gains even more worship from me because in the introduction he drops Karloff and Glenn Strange as the Frankenstein monster, John Carradine as Dracula, Cheney Jr. Like shut up. The only name he didn't mention uh, in the the introduction, and I'm sure that this person was somewhat of an inspiration for this this story but paul nashi should have been mentioned because paul nashi is el hombre lobo he's the mexican werewolf and uh, all of these characters and more appear in the films of paul nashi uh, the atmosphere of those films is all over the place in in this uh, house of the living dead like he he Mignola says it's House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein. Yeah, I see that, but I see more of the Nashi films in this thing. Maybe that's me projecting. I don't know, but um, it, this again hinges on the fact that uh, after Esteban died, Hellboy became a luchador, and um, he's visited by um, a man who bears a striking resemblance to Lon Chaney Jr. And he tells him, you know, I, I, I got a proposition for you. Uh, I'll pay, or my, my boss will pay you money to, to, to wrestle his champion. Hellboy's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not feeling it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll give you a thousand bucks. Nope, Hellboy don't want to do it. And so he pulls out a photo of a, of a young lady with a knife to her throat and, and, uh, the, uh, the emissary of the the doctor says, "You know what? If you don't do it, um, not good things are going to happen to this girl. And if you take your frustrations out on me, not good things are going to happen to this girl. So you might as well just fight the boss's champion. Just, just, just do it." So they 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 go to the the the. It's not a castle per se. It's a ramshackle cabin, but uh, was probably really nice. In its heyday, but now it's it's uh, it's seen better days. So brings him down to the bowels of this thing, and Hellboy's looking around, and he sees all of these 
these medical experiments gone awry. And uh, <laughs> I like the one where you got a cadaver with its brain exposed and Hellboy goes, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he takes him down. And again, in the middle of this, this home, there's a fucking wrestling ring. <laughs> and and standing in the, the wrestling ring is uh, Mignola's version of Frankenstein. Um, who the the doctor, and uh, his name is Doctor Lo, Lo, Jose Luis Cogan, right? Uh, who it turns out was coerced by demons, and the demons said, "You know, you think you're all that? Why don't you have that guy take on your champion?" The demons knew full well who Hellboy is. They know. He's cut from the same cloth, in essence, as they. So uh, the the doctor brings Hellboy in to fight his 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 monster. He didn't really create the monster. Um, Frank, let's call him Frank. Is is um, he got him from a circus? I, he he looks the part. He's got the stitching and the the man titties with the giant electrodes on him. See, this Frankenstein monster's electrodes now aren't on his neck; they're on his titties. There's nipples. <laughs> and, uh, well, um, so Hellboy fights uh, the the Mexican Prometheus and and loses badly. Like, it, it's bad. And um, the monster kind of chooses, we, we would assume, to let him go. But uh, the... Uh, Dr. Uh, Kogan's lackey, Tupo, who's really Igor, right? His name may be Tupo, but he's Igor. Uh, Tupo lashes him with a electrified whip. And uh, the monster doesn't take too kindly to that and literally rips Tupo in half. Like, just separates his body. Just bleh, and there's blood all over the place, and that's when the shit hits the fan. He takes Tupo and throws the remains into a giant, uh, what is that, a Tesla coil? Giant, yeah, yeah sound like a Tesla coil. And so the the place goes up. Uh, Hellboy tries to save the girl, but uh, kind of. But um, he does try, yeah. No, an attempt was made. Was yeah, Cheney, Cheney Junior. We'll call him Cheney Junior. Um, takes the girl out, and unfortunately, Cheney Junior, uh, like all the Talbots, uh, are they suffer from the curse of lycanthropy, and it's a full moon, bitch. So what's going to happen to Cheney? He's going to turn, and he does. Um, and, and the, the, the girl runs and Cheney chases and, uh, well, where do they end up? They end up in the final resting place of a vampire. So. Favorite part. Yeah. Um, Cheney, the werewolf pulls out a gun, a werewolf with a gun. How novel. And unfortunately shoots the young lady in the, uh upper chest area by the shoulder and she bleeds and when she bleeds she she bleeds on the remains of the vampire and falls and pulls the 
the the the sword out of the vampire's heart. It's a sword with a, a rosary wrapped around it, probably a silver sword. Um, she pulls the sword out of the heart. The blood does its thing. The vampire comes back to life. Oh no! What's going to happen? We get a little bit of a Christopher Lee rendition of the vampire, paired with a little bit of. Uh, it's a pretty unique take on the on the vampire. Once he he his hair fills in, and Hellboy dispatches him really quickly. Like doesn't even yeah. think about it. Just reaches behind his back. Doink! Vampire's dead. Um, after which Hellboy is is uh, accosted by the brides of the vampire in uh, ethereal form. Buxom, it's Richard Corbin, so I think Buxom is redundant. Like I don't think there was ever a woman that Corbin drew that didn't have ample breasts. That was just his thing, right? And the the loss of Esteban weighs heavy on uh hellboy the actually the the brides taunt him like esteban as your buddy you fucked up look what they did uh uh you weren't there you didn't help your buddy and uh he he's almost under the thrall of the the brides when um poor cheney uh repents and does a last bit of good before he succumbs he pulls a raggedy a uh, piece of cloth off of a uh, a crucifix, the sight of which just causes the brides to just explode in flame. They they go down. They go down hard. And all the while, Hellboy's reliving uh, the events of him putting Esteban out of his misery. And Corbin doesn't stick to the the template. He he embellishes Esteban a little bit. He tweaks. Speaks the formula, renders them in a little bit of different way, but that's okay. It's Corbin; he could do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, unfortunately, Hellboy didn't save the girl; she died, and he tried. And the place goes up in flames and crumbles, and that gives Hellboy the impetus to get the hell out of Mexico because he has a little bit of a drink at the bar with Frank. Uh, Something happens where Hellboy loses a lot of time. Yes. Encounters an old foe. uh, An old, new foe, right? And uh, wanders Mexico with a sombrero and eventually leaves. So, you know, the... the, uh, Didn't really... um, you know, gain anything, uh, doesn't feel any better about the death of Esteban because he let the young lady die. Uh, but he did manage to remove a bit of the scourge from the land. So as a consolation prize, I guess that's okay. But he still, you know, uh, feels the loss of his one-time friend and just gets the hell out of Dodge. I think it's time to go back to civilization and you know my i guess my time is done here and that's the end of the 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 collection um the uh you mentioned that um because i i those two panels stood out to me as well when um esteban reveals himself uh i just because of the the panel breakdown obviously 
the panel border is meant to it, it's not necessarily a flashback it is but I, I i took that as to be the reason why the image was so warped and esteban is a lot larger than he was in the earlier story um the brides were telling the story so i i, I took that to me and, and i'm reading way too much into it but i just no i don't think you know, are i don't think you are at all they're exaggerating the story they're making him feel worse than he is and and making esteban more grotesque because it was such see a, I, uh, a yeah movie. i totally agree with you i but i don't think that those visions are a product of the brides i think that's hellboy oh you know he's definitely yes, yes yeah he's right. embellishing the fact that his friend was turned into a vampire and you know in in, in this case time has made esteban more grotesque because yeah. hellboy feels some kind of way about not being able to, to save him so of course in his mind's eye he's going to see esteban as even more vampiric and more distorted and yeah no i'm glad you picked up on that i felt the same way too because i I don't think it was well i think part of it was corbin just being corbin and just doing what he does and just like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this shit against the wall here with this this reveal that's great but you can explain it away whether or not it's the case we we decide that right because the story's in our hands we can't unfortunately he's he's passed and that's that's one of the the bittersweet things about reading these again is knowing that we'll never get anything new from mr corbin because he's passed but anyway i don't be a debbie downer but um yeah i think that this is is all hellboy embellishing after the fact just wallowing in his self-pity because he couldn't save his buddy so he of course he's going to amp up the, the grotesquerie of his friend he he didn't do it he didn't do his job i do that myself all the, i mean whenever something um drastic or a near tragedy happens whenever i relive it or i think about it in my head it's always amplified to much larger than the original oh. um it, it's i it so we paid $1,200 for that pizza. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that goddamn tray of pizza costs us 1200 oh, fucking God. dollars. Oh, my God. I'm not going to talk about that today. Oh, shit. I love you. Who loves you? Oh, This God. guy. This guy does. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> how about just the, the way... Corbin has with women the the brides they should oh. be revolting but they are not they are totally no they totally sexy yeah yeah it's like it's it's like Sergio with Gru it's like exactly some women in the land that Gru meets that are just like dying pieces and then of course there's you know the the older ogre looking women hey corbin does the same thing if, yeah. if you're not meant to be attractive corbin is not going to illustrate you attractively a, a brief aside sergio loves his high and tight he does oh he <laughs> yeah the the the, the boobs the goo, the boobs gotta be c cups and I they gotta it. be yep. high yeah he does it all the time knows what's up. Oh, yeah, yeah. i love it i love it but um no i'm i'm so glad i'm so uh indebted to personally the the patrons for picking this because any chance i can get to to just 
revel in in the the butamous art of Richard Corbin. Um, thanks, thanks for picking this. You're welcome. So, in closing, what y'all think about this? The the big picture. Although, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it like I said earlier, it, it's it's the thing I like about a lot of these Hellboy and BPRD collections are. Um, I'm sure if you are, uh, you know, devoted to the, you know, to the Mignolaverse and you've read most or all of everything he's done in order, these are highly rewarding. But uh, as, as someone who isn't that person, I find these, you know, intensely entertaining anyway. So I just think that's quite a talent. It's It's great that he craft stories where you can jump in and it's and just go you know i think that's a in many ways a lost art so i i i think i highly recommend this but because i think there's a lot of people out there that are curious about hellboy and bprd but also feel overwhelmed by the vol voluminous history of it you know you see all these library editions and all these collections and i mean what are there 20 plus bprd trades right? oh yeah Seems like it. So, you know, it could be overwhelming, right? Like, you're like, I want to try it, but I don't know where to begin. And uh, the cool thing is just begin in a place like this. Just pick up this trade and read it. Uh, It's, you you need to know nothing else, and it'll be entertaining and a visual extravaganza. So, big, big fan of this. Yep. And I got to, you know, give credit where it's due. I love Mignola and Fuimara's rendition of Abe. But, again, for my money... Corbin's depiction of Abe Sapien. Ah, I wish we could have got uh, a, a, a decent run of Corbin on Abe Sapien. That would have been great. Alas, it, it won't be. But Dap, anything uh, in closing? Uh, no. If if um, and we kind of, I, I I don't you beat it that worse at this point. But no, it it's. I am. It, it it the only thing is I'm kind of bummed that uh, I don't have. I mean I have two. I have the Plague of Frog, the first two volumes, the hardcovers, but I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of actual physical yeah copies of of uh, of Hellboy. I've got the first. I've got Seed of Destruction. Uh, As well, you should. Yeah, yeah, and then I have um, anything that has to do with, uh, well, because Byrne had a hand in that, but also uh, the, the Monkey Man and O'Brien stuff. Um, How much is that first Next Men going? Or not the first Next Men, but the, the appearance of Hellboy in Next Men. How much is that going for? I don't know. I would have guessed it, it should go for a decent amount, right? It's the first appearance of Hellboy, isn't it? What issue was that? Nine, I think. Around there. I have at. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Jason can at can. Heroes. I picked up. I think the first twelve or fourteen issues in one one fell swoop. Well, I mean, if you got that that legend um, imprint, uh, Hellboy in X Men, I think that goes for a good amount of money. If it doesn't, it should, but whatever. It should, yeah. It's yeah. not about the value. It's about the, no. the aesthetics. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, again, 
Um, let's move on. Next up in our two-fisted book of the month is a five-issue uh, tale. It is uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg. Le, uh, art by Tyler Boss. I'm going to go down the whole list because I think I, I short-shrifted some of the people in the uh, description. Uh, flatting was done by Claire DeZuti. Uh, wallpaper design, and it's a big deal in this book. Uh, Courtney Menard. Lettering by Thomas Marr. It's published by Black Mass Studios, and it's called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. And I'm going to hand it off to Jason and David. Well, let's unpack that for a second. Um, first of all, when's the last time you saw a flatter get uh, billing? So that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, you have made several allusions to not even finishing this, which no. I haven't been this heartbroken since the next wave book of the month. Um, at least, I think, because in that one you both were against me because you hate me. I think Dap's on my side on this one, but just briefly before Dap and I dive in, Vince, what is it about this that you, I mean, it's, it's rare when there's a comic you don't even finish. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was crestfallen uh, today when you told me that. So what, what's going on? Um, well, uh, I, I don't want to make it seem like I, I don't believe that this is a work of quality. Because it certainly is. Uh, if not for Boss's uh, line work, I think the design of of these pages is is wonderful, uh, especially it, when paired with the wallpaper design. I think is great. It, and I I will say it, it's very rare that a book will not connect with me on some level my apathy for this story and the characters therein was pretty pretty profound i i didn't care mm -hmm. about it i didn't care about any of it sure i get that that i get i and i haven't i'm, I'm i mean i'm actually fingers crossed here because we haven't really heard what dap thought of this uh, one way or the other and i will say uh like i mentioned being the show i read this as it came out well in the trade form and uh rereading it i was like man like Dap could hate this only because Dap suffers no child fools. Like Dap, like it's like saltpeter to him. Like kids with attitudes are a turnoff to Dap in every way. Like yeah. in real life and in comics. Like like Dap can't. He's got kid phobia when it comes. Like unless a kid is well behaved, he's like I ain't trying to have that in my life. So I was thinking like, oh shit, like. Because I found out you didn't like it, I'm like, is Dap gonna not like this because these kids, like these kids, are trifling? Like, is that gonna, like, is he gonna be bothered by them or is he gonna find them endearing? So, what I, does I don't, that mean, uh, trifling? Like, like he can't have, he has no time for them. Um, oh, and I'm God. saying all this live. I, I don't know Dap where you stand. So, where do you stand? <laughs> uh, I liked it a lot. Oh, nice. Whew. I really thank did. God. No, I, uh, I mean, there's some character. I mean, it's. It's funny that there are things that I actually, I did, uh, I LOL'd at quite a few things. Um, 
Berger's a fucking idiot, and and I he, he designed was though. like yes design, yes, yeah. and he absolutely was the one. I'm, and I and I so so you got the annoying Jew kid who's just like you know always showing up and 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 ruining the fun for everybody else just because you know he 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 inserts himself into everybody else's business and he's just he's he's the whole thing with the quarter and the gum. It's like and then I'm thinking I'm like well shit I mean is this I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like. I hope I don't come across like this idiot, but it's just one of those things where oh yeah, because uh, all, all Jewish people are like that. Yeah, what? Like, <laughs> that's not what I was. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. Um, I mean, what, what do you mean? Like, what, what is that? Like, what do you have in common with Burger other than that you're both of Jewish descent? Like, what is that like? What's the matter, Vince? I don't think you're similar, but I don't think you're dissimilar. In a lot of ways, <laughs> we're on the couch all of a sudden. But then again, I only I only read two issues, so yeah. I mean, I, our, our fates are different, but it's uh, yeah. There there are just things where I'm 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 reading Burger and I'm like, there's there's some things in this kid that I kind of see in me. Maybe when I was younger, mostly. But I'm like I'm like yeah, this the, the, this guy's fucking annoying. And now I'm like I'm like. <laughs> I well, I wouldn't if... pin it on that. I don't think you're you're annoying. Oh, I just Burger has a lot of hangups. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's probably also the Jew thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's, uh, but no, it, it's Paige is fantastic. There's it, it. I mean, yes, there are parts of the story where I'm like, I'm like, this is it's it is it's make believe. There's there's like no way in the real world as 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 close to reality as they're trying to be in the story like this there's no way that these events would happen where they're happening so you kind of i'm just along for the ride i'm just i'm i'm taking it where it goes and and i'm seeing how everything plays out um it didn't bother you guys at all that her name is Paige turner no 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 not at all okay (laughs) um it's weird you know that's that that's the line for you, but okay. no, yeah, it's right. not. It's not. It's not the line. Of course, it's not. But uh, I will say that if it wasn't for Walter, I probably wouldn't have made it to issue two. Walter was the thing that mm. the 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 meager thing that kept me reading this. I think Walter to me is a compelling character. Mm-hmm. Well, so a couple things. Let's set it up. First of all, it's uh, like you said, it's a five issue miniseries. It's basically a crime book. Um, I I. I reviewed this book back in the day when I read it so folks can dig in the crates. But um, I will say that, uh, and I I felt this way when I first read it, and I felt this way again rereading it. Um, I really do, one of the things that I very much like about this comic uh, is that I think it's the closest thing in comic form I've seen to a Wes Anderson film. And I'm a big Wes Anderson guy. and what I mean by that is it's it, if you if you read it like the things that it, it's set in reality, right? Like it's 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 quote unquote the real world. But the uh, interpersonal relationships, the dialogue, the scenarios that the people are put in are, are are just left of center where they it's hard to believe they would actually take place in our world. But like there's nothing fantastical about it beyond that. And I, I think that that's very much Wes Anderson. He, he creates these tapestries, these stories, these characters where they're like, they're notable because 
they're it's almost like everybody has Aspergers. Like they're they're the like they're just so they're almost like character models instead of real humans. But he but 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 there's still enough there where you find them intriguing. And I felt that way about this book. Um, I will say I'm not really that's I mean while I'm disappointed that Vince didn't like it enough to finish it. I, I'm not totally surprised he didn't love the book because I mean at its heart it's it's a talking head book. Um, I mean it's it's essentially a, a five issues of very heavy, uh, pithy dialogue. Um, you know, there's not, I think Tyler Boss does an excellent job of illustrating this, but it's, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a visually arresting book. It's, it's, it's certainly not transgressive in any way. It's, it, there's not any, I I disagree that it's not a visually arresting book. I think it is. Okay, so you like the visuals. I thought you yeah. might not like it because it's so much talking heads. You know? No, it's, well, it's, I, I'll be totally honest. Um, my Bendis PTSD was very strong in this Yeah, book. no, this is, uh, and I think Rosenberg has said that Bendis was a huge influence on him. So yeah. this is very Bendis-y and, and, and particularly like Bendis, non-Marvel Bendis, uh, like like Bendis the creator owned. Um but, but I mean, and I wasn't that long ago. I think I said I'm kind of tired of Bendis, but I but there was a time when I adored Bendis' storytelling, and I think this kind of fits into that for me. Um, but at its, uh, as you alluded, there it's really a story about four kids. Hence the name. There's there's Paige Turner, bump bump, mm-hmm. who is the lead of the book. Uh, there's Pat Schram, who's this uh, you know really tall kid goofy they're all like nerds you know they're like nerd posse there's walter johnson who's this tie-wearing bespectacled genius kid who's uh basically mumbles yeah super shy and then there's dan yeah and then there's daniel Berger, who's there the 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 outspoken pain in the ass kid uh um, you know and they're 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 a crew and one of the things i like is the structure of the book each issue like the the first that were the, the the first issue starts with them you're basically looking at a fantasy comic. It's it's them fighting. It's it's uh, an elf, an orc, and a human knight fighting a jag a dragon, and uh, and they're they're playing D and D effectively. Um, and each of the issues starts with some kind of fantastical setup um, of them playing something. Uh, and where Tyler really, where Tyler Boss really gets me is in one of the early pages of the fantasy part where they're doing the D and D. Uh, the dragon and the characters are riding the crest of this giant wave, which you know, if you uh, if you're at all a fan of of art, you you know is is the great wave of, of Kanagawa, which is you know, ar- I guess arguably, inarguably, I don't know. With I guess you could have some argument, but it's it's one of the most famous Japanese art art pieces ever, like in the world. Yeah. Like it's just Hokusai. You know, yeah, right, and and it's it's. So I was like, man, and it's like a perfect rendition of it, right? Uh, it may even be, a, may even be a screen cap for all I know. So I, I but it, it's, it's. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, like, you know. Um, and then the kids, the, the game basically gets upended because Burger spills a giant bottle of soda all over <laughs> the game, and they start arguing. And I just, I don't know. Like, I found it endearing. Um, I was never a D and D kid, but I remember being a kid, and your friends were doing, an, you know something annoying and you loved and hated him at the same time and kind of like drew me in um critical and, and then the premise is essentially that uh they're in Paige's house and they're fighting and her dad comes out of the kitchen and he's a shitty cook and he's like listen uh you know i promised all your parents if you guys fought i was going to make you go home immediately uh but he's cool he's like but 
you, your two choices are you can either go home or I can take you off for an ice cream dinner because he burnt their dinner. And they're like, all right, let's do ice cream. And, of course, Burger's like, I don't need ice cream. Um, sounds like me. Uh, and then they're about to go for ice cream, and they open the door, and there's these four punk-ass dudes, you know, these criminals, these ne'er-do-wells, uh, standing at the door. And uh, you get these very Bendis-y word balloons, these little, these little pithy descriptions of people. Uh, like when you're introduced to the kids, you get uh, – like I, like with Burger, it says uh, a 77-year-old you know, boy. Like that's funny to me. Like I think that I don't know, I crack I, like that kind of stuff cracks me up. I, I you know, yes. um, you know, uh, and then you meet the the the, the criminals and uh, and and there are there's a, a a not skinhead dude. There's you know the the leader smoking the cigarette. There's you know so forth and so on. And basically they they plow in and they clearly have business. And one of the guys fucking punches Paige in the face, and she's an eleven year old girl. Like. <laughs> And you're like, what? And and I love how instead of showing you punching her, they have they give you a like a one of the panels is like in a warning sign. It says reminder under almost no circumstances is it okay to wander into someone's house uninvited and sucker punch a kid in the face. And like under no circumstances, like it says under almost no circumstances, like there is no circumstance where that's okay. And it's like I love that Rosenberg doesn't say under no, he says under almost no like like as if there is some small window where that would might be acceptable. And I love that. Like that like those kind of little things just right up my alley. And this this gets back to where we always talk when we talk about books that have a, a comedic aspect. Comedy is hard because the sliver of the pie of readership who find anything funny is much, much smaller than the than the sliver of people that might find an action story or a horror story entertaining. Humor is so subjective. So, like, you're almost if you're telling a humorous book, you're almost guaranteeing you're going to have a smaller audience that's going to enjoy it. So, like, I don't envy people trying to write humor books, you know. Uh, and I think this falls for that. But for me, this was, you know, I guess polar opposite events. Like, I found this book funny and witty and thoughtful, like from start to finish. I just the humor humor was my kind of humor. So. Daps? And I guess Daps as well. Yeah, uh, it really I, right from I, the the structure of each issue with each each one starting off with uh, the kids playing something or playing yeah. something. I, I I dug that approach. Um, the way you know there are the, the kids really. I mean, even as shy and reserved as Walter is. None of the kids are really, um, you know, they're, they're they're not shown as as punks. They're not. I mean, yeah, they're obviously they're kids, and you know, you would think maybe when they get home they might respect their their, their parents or their elders. But there's, um, you know, nobody nobody is written in a way where where you're just like you're. I was gonna say disappointed, but I mean, you know, there's burger. But there's just moments where. Uh, I, I just think it moves at a really good clip. I, I, I there wasn't anything that really dragged it down for me. It, it, at no point did I think that okay, well they're just they're either padding it out or they're just they're they're not they're trying to get they're trying to reach a conclusion, um, but they're not they're flailing about. I I I, I think Boston Roseburg did a fantastic job, and it's it's a book where um, it's. 
they're not really it, it it's it's a show not tell kind of book where they're they're just moments where especially when you get to the end but things are kind of you don't need every little thing explained to you whether it's you know you you get the sense of what went on in Paige's life before the story happens you know just with her talking to her uncle and uh you know we don't need every little piece of information we don't need to know every little thing about their days up to the events in this book it's just it's you you catch up as you go and and i think it was it was a fun neat approach in 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 just telling this story and and um it wasn't anything extra you needed to get into it everything is in is between these covers so it it's it's it really is a a a charming at times witty very clever um all inclusive story i i I enjoyed it a lot yeah and and from a format perspective i mean like i said it is talking heads i mean there are pages where it's 24 panels uh, literally 24 panels and it's just people's heads and word balloons so i get like that might not be everyone's cup of tea i get that but uh i i think they ex- i think i think they execute it well um and and the the and i think we should be a little vague about this because i do want people to read it and i don't i don't want to give away the, mm. the 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 payoff but the premise is essentially that page page's mom is gone page's dad is a cool dad like i said but he these ne'er-do-wells show up and it turns out that these guys used to be part of a crew with with her dad and um they all went to jail for a bank robbery, and he did not. So he owes them. And so they want to do a bank robbery now because they're out of jail. They need money. And he agrees because he owes them, but also they're broke. He and Paige are broke. They, he doesn't he doesn't have a regular job. Uh, obviously, she's a kid, so she doesn't make any money, and they're, they need the money. So he agrees to do it, but Paige... Um, doesn't like it because she doesn't think these guys are good people. Well, they're obviously not good people. She she doesn't want her dad to get caught up in this. She's worried about what will happen if he does because he is an ex-con. And, um, you know, she, she – so – and this is where the fantastical comes in. So she gets her friends to agree to rob the bank instead. She's like, well, let's rob the bank uh, before they can uh, so they don't get in trouble. And, like, obviously that's a ridiculous – that's a ridiculous assertion on any level. Like it's ridiculous for to think why an eleven year old kid and her friends would think let's rob a bank. It's ridiculous to think that they actually could pull it off. And I think that's I mean, and that's the premise. That's the and uh, and really the story is from there. You learn more about you learn more about the characters. You learn more about the dynamic of her dad and these people. And and um, there's a further complication in that her deceased mom's brother, so her uncle. Uh, on her her maternal uncle is also a detective, and so he's involved in that tracking this. And uh, you know, and the story culminates in them robbing a bank. I mean, I don't think I'm giving. I don't think we're giving anything away there because given the name of the, <laughs> title, the title, yeah, it's in the title. You know, um, and I don't want to. I definitely don't want to say what happens when they rob the bank. But I remember being surprised and aghast at how the last issue goes because. I think when you jump into something like this, and especially because it's kids, you think, oh, it's going to be clever and 
going to have a happy ending. And it, it doesn't really have, it's neither clever nor does it have a happy ending. I mean, clever in the sense that it doesn't wrap up in a clever way where you're like, oh, haha, yeah, they rubbed a bank, but all's well that ends well. Like, it, that's not the way it goes. And um, I've always had a soft spot for stories that end before a conclusion that Hollywood would want. You know, mm. like it just sort of ends. You don't get the payoff. You're left to wonder what happens to all these people. And I dig that a lot. Um, now, I say that because this, like many comic properties, has been picked up for development and it's being turned in to a film. And if it, as we know, a lot of these things never make it across the finish line. But if this does end up becoming a film, I would be baffled if the film ends in the way that the comic does. In fact, I'd put almost amount, any amount of money that it won't end that way. Do you know what I'm saying, Dap? Like, it's, it's, it's like, I, I, Hollywood I won't it, allow it to end with a hanging chad like that. That it will end either in a happy ending or, or conclusively. Is what I think. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And, and I think it depends on the studio and, the director or the people involved in making the movie. Sure, there, I'm, sure. There, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got movies that not, not, I don't know what I would compare to, you know, these days, but, you know, things like River's Edge or any, any movie with brooding teenagers from, from the 90s. It's like they didn't all, like, pump up the volume, kind of, you know, it, that's, that's not necessarily a, a, a sound uh, or, or, or a Hollywood type ending. But again, that, that movie's over 20 years old now. So, I mean, uh, the things change and, and people want to make sure things get seen. So, you know, they'll, they'll test screen it and they'll get the notes and, and make the changes for the rest of us. And, and we'll either wish, you know, we saw the test screening or we'll get the Hollywood ending. But um, I, I, I really do hope that, they kind of push to keep it um, kind of true to the comic. It, it again, though, I mean, you know, we've got movies that are true to the comic. We, we get Sin City and 300 and, and they're kind of uh, <laughs> lifeless I mean, isn't, you know, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a live action storyboard. I mean, why did I, why did I watch this movie? I could just go back home and read the comic. So I'm fine with some changes, but I think so, a story like this needs to be shown the way it was, it kind of needs to be true to the source material because everybody's going to read the book. So yeah, watch the movie the way the the actual story unfolds. But um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, there's yeah the 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 last issue was was crazy. I'm a little bummed that you know Vince tapped out before he got to clap the glory hole. But <laughs> um, there's. And 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 the cops are absolute pricks, man. I mean, I, as 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 Burger's running away, there's there's a uh, they call him. Uh, it's a dead end. You fucking inbred! Stop running, or you'll lose your tiny hat. And that shit almost had me falling off my seat. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that yarmulke does not leave his head, and it's not. I I don't see. It's it's crazy. But I mean, I. Yamakas rarely stay on my head. So, I mean, I don't know how many bobby pins Homeboy's got in his fro, but it's cool. Um, I just, it, it's, yeah, the, the the last issue really threw me for a, um, 
for a loop, but in a good way. I think uh, I, 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 um, yeah, I, I love, I love the, I mean, I think the last issue is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You. It, it, it really is. It's, it's a solid, I mean, it, yeah, it, it reads like, you know, those John Cusack movies. I loved in the eighties so much. It's just, it's, it's that kind of just odd, but like, you know, one crazy summer, that shit doesn't like, in what world would things like that really happen? But I mean, you know, so this is, it's, it's in that vein. And I think, you know, it's, there's, there is definitely a, um, there's a mark for it. There are, you know, if, if this was, if this was, written in a different way or if boss didn't illustrate it this way if somebody else drew it 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 definitely it wouldn't be the same obviously but it just it it there's something about this where it just it it's it's a perfect alignment i i think it's a really well done well done story love the packaging i just think you know from start to finish with with the wallpaper in between the chapters yeah. and just yeah, yeah no I, I i don't i, I there's a graphic design element to the whole thing and yeah. both in terms of, of boss's art i mean i don't i have a commission from tyler i, I i'm sure other people have seen this like he, he he's got that that his art is very much got a graphic element to it in in, in this and in his other stuff um but it like you said there's the wallpaper like the whole thing is is very much composed visually beyond just lines on the page which uh which which i i appreciated very much for this kind of story i i just think it 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 had a feel of like this quirky you could almost feel it be op- episodic and i can almost picture it in my head and i i appreciated that neat <laughs> Yeah, I'm bummed he didn't like it, but I mean, it is what it is. Can't all can't all camp out a thousand. Yeah, I felt a little bit guilty because we did have a job to do, and um, yeah, you dropped the ball, dog. I, I yeah, I I didn't do fifty percent of the job, which I I mean, in the lead in, I said thank goodness there was a tie. Yeah, because we sure. got we got two things. Um, well, I think we all from from jump i think the idea is that this doesn't it yeah okay be cool to find out you know what you thought about a book but at the same time this isn't this isn't supposed to be a chore you're not supposed to be which is exactly yeah right so i'm 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 at the end of issue two and i'm just like i don't think so i don't think i'm gonna read any more of this because it's like did you guys not assume that i wouldn't like this thing I mean, it, it like has... I said, I, I I I thought if 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 gun to my head, I had to guess, I would have thought you weren't going to like it, and I was on the fence with Dap just because there's a lot about it that I thought he would vibe with, and clearly he did. But I was a little worried because he hates kids that he would uh... right. <laughs> I do, yeah. but there's a point where it's like it's almost Goonies on paper. And I'm like, nah. There's Goonies vibes to it for sure. There's a really strong Goonies vibe. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Goonies fan. I know some people hate the Goonies, so um, I will say, <laughs> I think Walter's awesome, but I didn't love the conceit of making his the font of his speech like one 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 or two point font. Yeah, like. I, I, I mean, know that's they great did if you're that. reading the digital, but yeah, yeah I know well, that that's it's, it's, say that, that it's, he's whispering, so it worked. But you know, I'm I'm 46, going on 47, dog. Like I, I you know, I'm not. My brother's not trying to squint. You know, not, not to defend the the creative team. It's it's bigger than two point, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I 
successor of graphic arts. Uh, just you know, I was trying to. But, I mean, be, right. let's, let's, the alliteration, you know, and I mean, I and, and and comically, you know, the 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 small type in in the standard size word balloon looks funny, but yeah, I mean, you know, you could have they could have made his they could have made the type same size as everybody else and just do the old school dotted word balloon so we know that he's whispering a hundred percent, or even just put brackets whisper or something like 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 in a, that, that, it's a minor it's a minor yes. quip. Uh, it, it's 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 one percent off of the of the grade, so the uh, get off my lawn guide to comics page one. <laughs> you read I, two of issues. You don't get to speak on this. I don't. I don't. Um, I mean, there's a scene that takes place events on the corner of Pratt and Tardy. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Fucking a. Uh, no, for the record, I think it's a visually arresting uh, series. Uh, while I didn't read past issue two i did look at the art in 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 the remaining issues i just think it visually it's wonderful but yeah um if i would have to lay blame on my uh lack of enthusiasm for this series it would be entirely uh due to the dialogue mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i think if we haven't already said it i, I just think it's totally fair I guess you could. I mean, I was going to say like that this book wouldn't be for for some people. I guess we could say that about any comic, but I just mean like this is definitely one of those comics where I thought, oh, there's going to be a set, a subset of our listeners who play along with the book of the month that adore this and are thrilled that we picked it and are so happy that they finally read it or reread it. And there's probably more than that, like more than half that. Or like ah, this isn't for me. Like I like I I think it's definitely more of an acquired taste. And again, I think that's partly because it's in in its own. It's a comedy. I mean, yes, I know it's not just a comedy, but it in as much as all stories are comedies or tragedies, it's a comedy. And and I I think that's harder to appease people with. Um, you know, again, it just it tickled me. Like it's re- it it's the kind of humor that works for me. I I this is up my alley. It's Right. Same reason I love things like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I love the witty repartee and the and and I love when people can have conversations where they're just quick witted and back and forth. Like that's that's all goodness to me. But I you know I accept that that's 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 not going to be as uh, widely accepted as a more you know overtly sort of accessible thing like. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, trying to think of a very popular comedy. I don't really watch many comedies, but you get my point. Friends. Friends, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. good one. Okay, since the record is out, I will go on it and say this is, in my estimation, the best-looking book to ever come out of Black Mask. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't really? think that... Over, over the dregs? Oh, uh, shit, yeah, and over Zirit yeah. stuff, I think, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think there's a complexity at work here, with the design and the layout, um, uh, the rendering. I think, uh, you know, there, a, a lot of pre-planning has to go into formulating pages like this. You just don't throw these down uh, spur of the moment. There's 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 forethought involved. So yeah, I I think um, page design, rendering, uh, you know, the sequentials, they're great. Um, it just didn't connect with me, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to condemn the book. 
yeah, it. It, it is of a very high quality. It's just no. Yeah. No. So there you go. Two 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 fisted book of the month. You know what? If you want to see more two fisted books of the month, become a patron. Uh, mm-hmm. patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics you can vote on the book of the month or you could suggest very strongly that we do this again because we listen yeah. we listen to everybody but you know the patrons they're actually forking out for it so um they make all this possible and uh if you as a patron decide you know what that double shot book of the month was great i want to see more of that we will listen that said okay what did i do wrong no you didn't do anything wrong because uh come october the fans the fans the patrons will absolutely be voting in the next book of the month because the september book of the month has already been selected yes sword of the atom sword of the atom by jan strunet and gil Kane. I think and it's. I, I don't want to say Stronad because that sounds like Stonad, which was my nickname for I, many of no, the years I, of my life. Is, is, I'm pretty sure that's. We had this. We had this conversation before. I, I believe it is Stronad. We did. Stronad. Yeah, Stronad. The man is still alive, so maybe we yes, can. Maybe we can yeah. get him. But anyway, that's oh, up to Jason. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics take a look around if you like what you see wait a little while because come Christmas or around Christmas leading up to Christmas we're going to open like Moses we're going to part the Red Sea and you're going to be able to see everything that the patrons get videos, audios, images uh, Jason's constant auction posts you know what we should do? What? Should like you do? said, around, but we should do it. I mean, well, you already said, but December will be a good month to do it because we'll only have our traditional December content, which is pretty heavy with the videos and the yeah. advent calendar and all that. But we're going to be in Seattle. Oh, yeah. So we can do some, well, people will be able to see our little our little con gimmicks and all that you know yeah we get a little excessive come come time because yeah. we we will do videos of us walking to the well, car we're not excited to be around each uh, other sure no 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 it's totally yeah. justified but it it smacks of minutiae at some time at some points because uh you know Here's we're big now if if you if you think about it we've had our biggest bouts of patreon subscriber growth when we do cons because i think like the 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 people are they want to they want to they want to connect because they don't go to cons. Maybe they're not that con. Like you said, we have a lot of energy. We're putting yeah. out extra stuff. We're, we're vibing. Like I think it gets people hyped up. How about the time that I forced you guys and you were like so uncomfortable when I was doing videos of like Hardman and Mafood who never – actually, I pressed the, the record button wrong on Mafood. So I didn't get the video of Mafood, but we did try to record a video with Jim Mafood. Um, remember that time when I was like moving the camera in, in Gabriel's face and you're like, dude, you're embarrassing. I was like, what am I doing? This is, this is, I'm an auteur. This is how we do. And you're just like, no, nah, I don't man. remember that. See, you talk about selective memory. I must have blanked that out because I don't want to remember too, you. Too painful. Yeah, too painful. But anyway, um, 
and just stick around because there's much, much more of this stuff to come. In the meantime, head on over to Discount Comic Book Service where you, as a mega fan who loves comic books, will stretch your comic book dollar even farther because you are going to get your books at a greatly reduced rate. Everybody else is paying full price. You are paying 40, 45, 50% off cover price. What? Take these names down. From Aftershock, Chicken Devil, number one, written by Brian Bucciolato and Hayden Sherman. $4.99 cover, your price $2.49. See? 50% off. From Oni, Dirtbag Rapture, number one, Christopher Sabella, writing, Kendall Good, drawing, you are going to get it for 50% off cover. That's $1.99. Last but certainly not least, the award-winning Merlin and Hector, number one, cover price $3.95, 45% off you're going to get, says Yoda. $2.17 will be your price. Discount comic book service can be found at dcbservice.com. Just go there, and you'll be like, oh, my God, look at all the money I'm saving. Insanity. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, our good buddy Jeff Carter blessed me with a, a little package. And uh, in addition to Cherry Blackbird number one from Scout Comics, if you ever wondered what it looked like when a demon claws its way out of a man's anus in exacting detail... Pick up Cherry Blackbird, number one. But, in your travels, I am uh, naive because I have never uh, read a comic from LP Comics. And and this is one of them. Uh, it is called The Blackjack Demon. To say I was captivated by this, comics, this comic would uh, do it a disservice. Uh, enraptured would be a better word. It is the story of a young man named Silas, son of a man who uh, came into the ownership of a gold mine. While not, uh, he he came through it uh, with uh, through legal means, but maybe not ethical means. Right? Just put that on the back burner. And uh, one night. Uh, Silas and his daddy are are out in the fields, and it seems like there's someone coming to sabotage the mine. Bada bing, bada boom, ma uh, a gigantic explosion. Uh, Dad is found dead, stripped of his skin, flayed, uh, presumably alive. So Silas embarks on a quest to uh, eliminate the murderer. Of his father. This is not a typical murderer because um, in the explosion, a demon clawed its way out of the mine and killed Pop and is wearing his uh, skin and clothing as uh, in, 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 a, in a very diabolical masquerade. So Silas, like I said, embarks on a, a, a quest to kill his father's murderer and hires uh, a middle-aged woman <laughs> uh, named um, Humphrey to aid him in his quest. Uh, 
and and they they trail this dude who is is uh, much has a has a great lead on them, but he's running across the uh, the landscape while they are on horses, and then Humphrey uh, notices that this is not a typical murderer. Like something's up with this. Turns out Humphrey is killed as well, and the the demon flays Humphrey alive and takes her skin. So now the demon is in the guise of Humphrey, and and that's the end. Of this first issue, um, Silas's quest is unfulfilled, uh, but the the visuals on this book, uh, and they are this book is written and drawn by Nick Hermes. the uh, The visuals are atypical for a story like this. Um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Michael Kupperman in this art now when you say western it doesn't necessarily lend one to to think of michael kupperman you know tales designed to thrizzle uh for shizzle yeah i was this book just took me away yeah it sounds good i loved everything about it the coloring is atypical very very pastel in some spots um but the the line work is just delicious it is amazingly well done again nick hermes not afraid of the negative space and uh the premise is is something that uh is definitely in my wheelhouse so if you're looking something against the grain um lp comics the blackjack demon number one uh definitely on my radar will go to my uh pull list as soon as the next issue is solicited i think issue two comes out in september uh, if it's not available through previews, I guess you can go to uh, just Google LP Comics. It, it's a curated um, publisher where uh, I think the shop is uh, it's a bookstore from what I can glean. And uh, they, they've published this book in tandem with the bookstore. So just check it out. LP Comics, Blackjack Demon. Um, they have my attention and I will be there for uh, successive issues. I thought it was great. That's fantastic. Yeah, very, very, very good. Surprising. Uh, it takes a lot to surprise an old dog like uh, us. And uh, old dogs, I should say. And this, this book did it. So thank you, Jeff. Makes me smile. Yeah. Uh... In your travels, uh, I'll save these for next week. So, um, first issue of a six-issue miniseries came out this week. Um, there is, it, it, it can look cheesy. It can come across as corny. It's a product of its time. But uh, Superman the movie holds a very special place in my heart. And Superman 78 was something that I just had to check out um and the first issue it it's meatier than <laughs> batman 89 but but what was that Vince? i heard something whisper 
And it sounded yeah, like it sounded like a female. Yeah, the wifey, the wifey just whispered that she let the dogs out, and uh, she loved me. That's Dude, just, I swear cool. to God, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Doing, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, adorable. Um, yeah, the the whereas I've found myself wanting after reading Batman eighty nine number one, this this really kind of just brought me back home. Um, you're creative team is uh robert venditti um wilfredo torres on art jordy belair on colors and um and yeah it it, it first couple pages deal with uh, krypton long ago and it's the last moments of um of krypton before they uh they explode and uh there's a um there's someone who's witnessing the catastrophe. Um, you don't see his whole... You just basically you see his eyes. But the skin is green. And if you look at the cover, you kind of get the idea that uh, it's probably Brainiac hanging back, um, watching all this happen. Um, the inside cover has a nice little uh, tribute to Richard Donner, who, of course, helped us believe a man can fly. But the, 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 the bulk of the issue takes place at metropolis uh clark kent's been a reporter now at the other planet for a little while um it it's it's not a uh it torres doesn't draw clark the way gary frank used ah. christopher reeve as the reference but you could tell you could tell it's christopher Reeve. you 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 know just by looking at the character um with his fedora in the suit yes it's 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 the guy from the movie um it just doesn't look exactly like christopher reeve the way gary frank would do it uh which is fine because in this cartoonish style i mean you know lois lane looks pretty close to Margot Kidder. I'm not I'm not upset about that version there. Jimmy Olsen looks it looks a little shorter than the guy who played him in the movie, but but that's there. And and of course, um Perry White absolutely uh looks like our dude from uh The Little Rascals. But the um it it it's the the tone is is that of of the movie there's nothing uh if you if you enjoy the movie uh you'll you, you'll dig this quite a bit um a uh a robotic alien um comes down into metropolis wrecks the whole place and uh comes across superman so superman is able to stand up to him and that throws this this uh this robot that looks an awful lot like the old Brainiac robot. Uh, they trade blows and, and uh, Superman ends up saving the day. Um, but while, uh, while that's going on, we do cut to the farthest reaches of space in orbit above a dying world. And you see someone basically um, he's preserving cultures before extinction and uh and basically this guy is just collecting little bottled cities of uh of worlds that are just about ready to die Ooh. and um 
and you turn the page and you find out that uh, the collection is is uh, is owned by Brainiac. And uh, so Lex Luthor doesn't even show up in the first issue, even though he's on the cover. Um, the next issue is titled. They do say next issue, you know, Lex Luthor to the rescue. But uh, there are little Easter eggs in the background on, on, on some of the pages in the alleyway when uh, when Clark is ready to turn into Superman. Wilfredo well, definitely had some I'm gonna say I had some fun watching the movie, rewatching the movies, but but yes, the the movie is absolutely an influence here. It it's um you know it it it's it hit me just right. I, I enjoyed this issue a lot. Um kind of bummed it's only a six issue miniseries, maybe we'll get more, but yeah, it's um it 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 uh it scratched an itch I really didn't know I had and it was um made me want to uh fire up hbo max and and watch the movie yet again but no i uh in your travels superman 78 by venditti and torres and belair nice you know what before jason takes the microphone um i don't draw too many lines in the sand right but if you don't recognize the magic in that donner superman i don't think there's room for you in my life wow i really don't i love you that Thank is big you. talk um there's the perfect superman right there yeah there's never been better word of the bird yeah i do not disagree well in your travels uh i mentioned this to you all last week and that i wanted to make sure you were gonna buy it and read it and you both were like what the what what the what um sounds just like but uh yeah (laughs) uh, in your travels if you if you didn't heed last week's hint then please do do so now and make sure you order uh, Farewell Brindavon uh, by Jacques Tardy. Oh, yeah. Printed by Fantagraphics. Uh, this is a... Uh, it's it's new here. It's the newest uh, Tardy work by Fanta. But uh, in a strange circle of life, it's, it's his oldest work. It's his original graphic novel that he wrote and drew back in 1974. Um... Long-time EOCers will remember that, uh, like, more than a decade ago, we were pretty heavy with the Jacques Tardy. We had a little phase there. Because I think probably because Fanta had just put out a bunch of his stuff for the first time here. And uh, so we were gobbling it up, most notably at Del Blanc Sec. We all love that. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know why, uh, like, why this book, which was his first, took this long to come over and be translated. I don't know if it was rights issues or what have you, but, but it... Like I said, it did, um, it, and it. I mean, I loved it. It's 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 only sixty four pages, so like many Bond SNA. It's uh, it's more like a you know oversized comic, and it is like oh my goodness, Sorry. it is like a graphic novel. Um, but uh, and and those of you that are fans of Tardy will recognize the name Lucien Brindavan is a recurring character. He's in a Del Blanc second fact, um, but this is this is this is the first introduction to him, so it's, it reads like a prequel. For American readers like us that had seen the other stories first, um, although it wasn't obviously this was was structured in a different way. But uh, it it story revolves around uh, Lucian, who's a, a pretty mild mannered dude, um, and he he basically goes in this crazy adventure where he's he's told by a stranger to uh, head to Istanbul to uh, discover his fate, and before he can learn more, that person is is killed, assassinated, shot through a window. Uh, 
and, and so he does he heeds him and he, he goes to Istanbul and he meets up with an, another interesting character, a dude that loves to get high and they go on a wild adventure where lots of people are trying to kill them and he has no idea why. And they end up in a desert city and he learns as to why they're trying to kill him and what his fate is. And uh, as I said on the uh, Facebook group last week, when I was talking about this, it, it's like picture a John Wick movie if the main character had, like, no ability to fight or kill. Uh, that's kind of what this is like. Um, I love Tardy's artwork, as I think you all do. It's always magnificent to see, regardless of, of what he's writing about. Uh, so this is a true joy visually. Um, I do want to mention, um, and I think maybe in retrospect this is why this book took longer to come out, Um there are some people that have taken this book to task because of its um, ethnic and racial stereotyping. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, I'm not going to apologize for that. I mean, I, like, in, meaning that, like, I think that's a perfectly fair criticism, and admittedly, maybe being a white American dude, like, I wasn't sensitive to it reading it because it wasn't like stereotyping me but i will say like there has been some criticism of tardy generally on that front and um i can't say it's not there like i didn't notice it as i was reading it but then when i saw some critique of it i thought well yeah yeah i see what they mean and you know you this comes down to like when you talk about uh you know writers from different periods of time you know how much do you, can you, should you forgive them for the way they told stories because of when it was written? Yeah. Right. Like this was 74. Uh, I'm not saying it should have been this way, but, but sensibilities on that front were much different. Yeah. Windsor McKay, uh, Will Eisner. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of guys. I've read Eisner's probably the most, the yeah. most notable, right? So, so again, I, I can't tell anyone how they should feel about that. Like there are plenty of people that are just like, I'm never reading the Eisner book. And like, I can't tell you you're wrong about that. Like that's, if it offends you, you're, you're, it's your right to be offended. Uh, and I only bring it up because I read this, loved it, gushed about it. And then I realized like, well, there is like, I can't disavow the fact that like you, if, if you cannot accept that Tardy was telling stories in the early seventies when people weren't as sensitive about stereotyping again not that they shouldn't have been but they weren't then maybe this book isn't for you so i just wanted right. to put that caveat out there because uh you know i i'm a big fan of tardy generally and it it didn't like affect me as i was reading it but it may affect you so yeah well said um thank you yeah uh, the terminus of that dialogue i think is never ever us uh, underestimate the way heavy metal just completely transformed the uh, comics zeitgeist. If it wasn't for heavy metal, we wouldn't be even having this discussion because that was the the floodgates for Tardy. Was uh, yeah, yeah. Well, metal. yeah. I mean, for sure. In a lot of ways, also, like and just more broadly, like a progenitor of of Americans being introduced to European comics, right? Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, totally different way of, of walking and talking and heavy metal brought it brilliantly to American shores. Uh, uh, stealth mode too. I mean, just to bring Mobius 
if if they had only brought Mobius, they would have been they would have assured their place in the in the sequential art mm-hmm. pantheon. But it wasn't only Mobius, uh, Tardy and uh, Serpieri, yeah. and just like yep. uh, just go down the whole laundry list of all of the brilliant craftsmen that were we were exposed to because of heavy metal. Uh, so it's nice to see Fanographics perpetuating that that, that greatness, um, but yeah, I have this coming. I haven't read it yet, and uh, looking forward to it. So, yeah, it's like a fever dream. Like I don't think I could spoil it if I tried. You know what I mean? Like there's not a intensely well constructed narrative here. It's right. just a wild adventure. Tardy just having, you know. That's a good thing every like, once in a while, right? No, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, I mean, I, I yeah, like I, I mean, I, I already said it, but but reading it, I just was like, it was a hundred, like it was pure joy reading it, and then and then like I stewed on it a little bit, and I like, and I talked about it on the Facebook group, and then I thought, ah, there's there is another aspect to this that I need to kind of think through. Yeah, got to address it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the seventies is a bit of. Uh, I think you should have known by then, right? As far as the the, the racial uh, stereotyping in it, um, that's a little bit it's, too little, too it's late. It's hard to say though, right? Because like, I don't know. Not to go down a rabbit hole, but like, think of Indiana Jones, right? I mean that that those movies are resplendent with racial stereotypes, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, like like Indy. I mean, this was the eighties. I mean, Indy's like he's in the Middle East, he's in Morocco, and it's like, you know, I mean, like. Kalima. They're, they're, they're caricatures, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. So, no, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, in a perfect world, I don't know. Like, I was born in 74, so I can't. Right. I, I, can, I, I can't say I have a great handle on what 1974 was like in the world, but I but I just know from, like, my own family and, and my upbringing, and, you know, we're all roughly the same age in that regard. I mean, I know that, like, my family had, was a lot. Like I mean, family I mean like my grandparents and my aunts and uncle. Like they they were a lot looser and insensitive about all issues of social relevance. As when I was a kid, then they you know became and were and are now, which is a good thing. Like they've evolved, but I'm saying like, so I know it wasn't certainly was we were certainly not fully formed as a society then. That's for right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, not to beat a, a dead horse, but. I think it's it's uh I don't know. It's worth noting that it, it, the the Indiana Jones movies are somewhat um condemned for the racial stereotyping of the the you know the Middle Eastern and the East Asian uh uh people, but it's okay to shit on the Nazis, right? It, you know what I mean? It is not all German people were bad, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things, particularly of a certain era, are just stereotypical in general, right? Right. Didn't have right. four hours to work the magic, so they had to tip the scales in their favor in some aspects. I get it. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty gobsmacked. When I look at the early work of Windsor McKay, there's a lot of racist shit in that stuff. Sure. Like, sure. Yeah, man. So do you disavow one of comics' greatest creators because he dabbled in racial or racial uh, stereotyping, or do you just forget it, or you know, to come to terms with it? What do you do? You can't just totally dismiss Windsor McKay. It's impossible. 
solely for Little Nemo, right? In one of the greatest works of sequential art. But there's some really racist shit in his back catalog. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a topic for another episode. And we hope that you will be here for those episodes because we're out of here. Uh, if you want more of this 11 o'clock experience, go to Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, all that stuff. If you want to delve even deeper, you can be brave and check out the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We would be very happy to have you among the ranks of the uh, patrons. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, please say goodnight. <laughs> I have consumed far too much wine. I just want oh, to nice. be honest. Yeah, way while, too much. While we're waiting for David to, to chime in here, I will say, uh, as a reminder to everyone, next month's book of the month, so the September book of the month, there will not be a poll. No. We decided last week that we're going to just, we have chosen Sword of the Atom. Yep. So it will be uh, Sword of the Atom, the miniseries, and the three specials. Yeah. Uh, you can get them in lots of different ways. Uh, there is a trade, but it's out of print, so uh, it may be a bit more of a chore for some of you to find these issues. But we have them, and uh, as as we said last week, I haven't read it ever, and I know you two are big fans of it, so that's going to be next month's book of the month. Mm. It's basically a, a a big old bear hug and a reach around to Mister Dap. That's all this is. But anyway, <laughs> we we love him so much. And no, it's it's more than that. It's a great series. Um, if you want to read it and you cannot find the issues and you cannot find the trade paperback, hit me up on the socials and I'll make it happen for you. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. So on the, uh, David. Woof. I did say David <laughs> before that, but that wasn't the real no. David. That's no. the David. Oh, good All Lord. right, it's time to read the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, I guess so. Jesus, yeah. good night. Uh. There are a shit ton of awesome documentaries on the Netflix. Uh, okay. The David Geffen documentary is great. Christy, yeah, Mar yeah the Christy Martin's amazing. Uh, the Dennis Nielsen, the, the serial killer from uh, Great Britain. Oh, my God. So creepy. He reads. Uh, I don't know if it's a dramatization or if it's his actual recordings. But either way, it, the, the, the audio just creep your ass out. It is uh, so good. Yeah. I'm, 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 in, I'm in love with Netflix again, just for the documentaries. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, did you order uh, Did You Hear What Eddie Gone Did? I or did you hear what Eddie Gein did, done? Not did. I would say did, but... Oh, Ed, see, I pronounce it Ed Gein. But anyway, yeah. Oh, is what, it? Uh, maybe it is. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not the authority of how to pronounce stuff. Uh, what did he done did? No, that's the name of the... Gra the um, it's a graphic novel about about him. I, it, it came by out who? last week by Eric Powell. Get the hell... Nice. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Bro, yeah, don't so you watch my previous videos? The fuck? Oh, yeah, like you watch mine. Well, I, 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 clearly you don't watch mine because I... I oh, no, no, no. You can't say. You can't <laughs> use as evidence I don't watch yours to the fact that you don't watch mine. That's not fair. 
Listen, that's sure I'm, not on, I'm not on trial here. I'm not on trial. Nobody's on trial. I don't watch yours. You don't watch mine. We don't watch Daps. <laughs> I think it's pretty apparent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's all right. I'll, I'll, I watch yours just to get it all out. Oh, um, no. He's got to make us feel bad. The guilt. You should be Catholic. There's not. I should what? You should be Catholic. Well, Catholics and, and, and Jewish guilt and Catholic guilt are both pretty strong. It's It works both sides. Oh, I don't have Anyone any. who believes in the Old Testament is pretty good at guilt. I got none of that. Um, the yeah. Um, What's happening? To, no, no. I believe some of the slackers have talked about the um the game book, but uh, I must the, get it. Say what? I must get it. Yes, you must. Uh, if you I want to it. learn more about Ed Gein and you have no idea, uh, please seek out the Roberts Blossom movie, Deranged. Oh my God, is it a great movie? Uh, made by the team of uh, Clark and Ormsby that made my favorite movie of all time, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. It is an amazing movie. Roberts Blossom is so fucking creepy and deranged, you'll never forget it. Yeah, it's a great movie. But it, it's loosely based on the legend of Ed Gein. It's great. Uh, so apparently it rhymes with, with bin. So Gin. it's gin. Oh, okay. Wow. Ed yeah. Gin. I always said guy. But gin anyway. rhymes with bin, yeah. not fine. So there you go. Awesome. Thank you. I always love to learn how to pronounce things. Yep. Yes. Ed Gin. Ed Gin. Gotcha. Uh, Hellboy appeared in Next Men number 21. Okay. I was wrong, Lynn. What's yeah, it going so for? I don't have the issue. I have one through 14 right here. I have the single. What's it going for? Do you know? No, that I don't know. I haven't checked uh, my comic shop. Um, <laughs> they're not the authority. No. Well, the other is my Let's high, see. But, uh, what should I call it? Yeah, I didn't. I, I realized the... Um, 200 bucks. Here's one for a CGC 9.0 for 290 Yeah. So anywhere from like... I had it at one point, but yeah. 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 Uh, do you have the, um, oh, wow, yeah, uh, the, uh, Savage Dragon with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I think I do. Yeah, those are good issues. Which I don't know how much they're going for, but they're good issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're out of here, people. Say goodnight, boys. Later, boys. Later, peace and love. Bobby Schmurda. That's it for that one.